Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Today, I'm so happy to have um, a repeat, a repeater. I have very few repeaters. This is Sarah Geringer. Did I say it right? Um, I had you back in, what, two or three years ago, my first year of podcasting. Do you remember, Sarah? I remember because that was for my first book, I believe. Right. So that was um, 2019. Yeah. Possi- possibly. Yeah. And I'm in my fourth year now. I can't believe I'm still podcasting. Sarah, you are a delight. You're author of six books. You're an artist. The book that we talked about then was such a great book, is a, such a great book about transforming your thought life, Christian meditation in, what's it called? in focus, which has a lot to do with, well, the way all followers of Christ need to live, that we're not just reading the book, but that the book is transforming our lives. So uh, I will put that episode number and link in the show notes. So if, you know, I have a lot of new listeners now, Sarah, hopefully, and they need to go back and uh, hear that from you. So, So Sarah, you're a mother of three, you live in beautiful Missouri, correct? Right. And you've written a new book and we want to hear about it. What's it called? It is called Hidden Manna on a Country Road, Seeing God's Daily Provision All Around Us. Wow. Wow. Had you been thinking about writing that kind of a book for a while? No, actually. Um, so I have a a perpetual calendar, you know, those kind that you just flip over on your desk. Right. And they have and little I- quotes and things. Mm-hmm. So I bought this in like 1995 Mm -hmm. from my local Christian bookstore and I had just had it. And, um, in August of 2021, this was a, a perpetual calendar on the names of God. So it had calligraphic names of God. So one of the names of God for that day was, um, hidden manna. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And and each day it had a little blurb on there and a Bible verse that that came from. So I kind of went on a scavenger hunt in the Bible. But the um, verse that it referred to is in Revelation. Wait, you went on a scavenger hunt to find more um, references to hidden manna? Yeah. Like what, I mean, I know what manna is. Like if, if you've been a Christian for a while uh, that that is a familiar concept because you know we we hear about Moses and the plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea like those are pretty big, um, you know, popular Bible stories, right? So right. most of us know <clears throat> that when the Israelites were in the wilderness, that God gave them manna and it was bread from heaven. He rained it down and they had to pick it up, and it was only good for one day, except on. Saturdays, well, I guess it would have been Fridays. Right. Calendar. They got two portions and then they were able to take the Sabbath rest, but um, it was God providing for them, providing for their needs while they were wandering in the wilderness. And so I knew that kind of manna. 
you know, um, but then when I saw this name of God, like hidden manna, what? And so this is in the beginning of Revelation when um, God is speaking to five different churches. Right. This is to one of the churches that (laughs) said, to the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. Oh, so then I'm putting myself in, you know, this is 50, 60 AD, AD when the apostle John is, is recording his visions that in revelation. And so I'm like, okay, what, what was John thinking about when he was thinking about hidden manna? Like, what was this image to him? And I was thinking of the, some of the manna was put inside the Ark of the Covenant. Right. So the Ark of the Covenant was originally with the Israelites back in the desert, and it was a physical representation of they carried around with them um, in this special tent and on these special poles. And if Sarah, talked- your voice cut out. It was a physical representation, and then your voice cut out. Okay, so... The Ark of the Covenant was a physical representation of God's presence. There we go. When when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, so they mm. carried this thing around with them. And some of the items that were inside, one of it included a little jar of manna. Mm. So I just said, you know, that manna only lasted for 24 hours. It, yes, otherwise, yes. it turned into rotten and it stunk to high heaven that's basically what the bible tells us stunk so for it to be kept in in a jar inside the ark of the covenant had to be supernaturally preserved so when the ark of the covenant was moved into the temple when they built the temple in solomon's day many 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 years later they put the ark inside the temple because the temple was God's house, right? So when when I was processing all this and I was thinking, you know, maybe John was not just thinking about the manna that fell in the wilderness. He was thinking about the manna also inside the Ark of the Covenant as a sign of God's provision. Oh, provision or presence? both honestly Mm -hmm. and so i thought okay if john you know knew about or thought about manna in his day thousands of years removed from the israelites and i'm thousands of years removed from john where is hidden manna today where are signs of god's provision and his presence Mm. today so i started thinking about this when I was going on my walks on this country, these two country roads that are right outside my home with my dog. Um, And I was starting to see on my walks, all of these signs in nature that pointed to God's, not just his presence, but also the way that he provides for us. And then those became prayer prompts for me. So that's how this book was created because I know that prayer can be something that is frustrating to people. It's guilt causing people think I don't pray enough. Mm-hmm. Now I don't pray the right way. I, I don't know how to pray. Um, 
And, and I wanted to demystify this process and say, just get outside and look for signs in nature um, and even man-made signs of God's provision and use that as a way to connect with him through prayer. It's mm -hmm. really not that difficult and um, it's not as um, challenging as we think that it is as long as we are opening our eyes to the way that God is just speaking us in all the things that are all around us. So I know you live in California, so a whole different uh, area than I live in, but I didn't write this book just for Missourians. I wrote this for people anywhere they live to encourage them to go out and walk and enjoy God's presence in nature and connect with him in different ways um, through what they see along their prayer walks. I have a friend who says, well, my husband won't go to church because he says when he goes outside, that's his church. That's all he needs. And I'm not one to go, you know, hogtail, tie him up and bring him to my church. I'm not going to do that. I don't know him that well. But there are lots of people, especially in America, they feel closer to God in nature. So what's the difference from what you're saying and what you wrote than when someone says, well, I don't have to go to church because Sarah, who's a great writer, says that I can commune with God in nature. How would you answer that? Well, uh, I talk about this in several portions of the book that we are not, that's, that's not how God created us to be. In fact, what, you can, what go do you back, mean? You can go back to the garden of Eden in the book of Genesis before sin entered the world, sin entered the world in Genesis three. Okay. So you go back to Genesis one and two before sin existed, God says, let us make man in our image. So that's right. the father, son, and Holy spirit living in community and relationship to one another. Let us make man in our own image. So God is making us to connect with each other. And this is before sin entered the world. He's looking at Adam. Adam doesn't say this. God says this. God says it is not good. For man to be alone. And I want to, I want you to think about that for a second. This is a perfect creation. No pain, no crying, no tear. Unbridled access to God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. There's no broken connection there. And yet God is saying, it's not good. Mm. It's not good. I am going to create a helper for him. I'm going to create someone who's going to stand by his side and love him and someone he can love. That's what we're created for. That was God's original design before we messed it up with our sin. And it's still that way. It's still that way. It's even more so, I think, with, um, you know, the advent of all these AI tools that are coming out right now. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a, a deeper sense of hunger for human connection i think than ever before because nothing can replace it it is coded into us as human beings 
So if you're reading this book thinking, oh, I can just go out in nature and talk to God and I'm good. That was not my intent whatsoever. My intent was I am going to give you ways, give you ideas for your prayer life so that you're even praying for other people because even your prayer life should not just be about you. Mm-hmm. It should be about other people too. And, and you don't know what other people need until you connect with them. So. Very true. Yeah. So it's like, you can't just say, well, I'll be praying for you, but I don't really want to know about your life because it's such a downer. Right. And, um, you know, we can put our hand out and say, we just want, we want this person close to us, but we don't want this person close to us. How has, uh, well, just give us some examples of some prayer prompts. I'm not sure everybody caught that. Is each chapter a different prayer prompt? Each chapter is a different prayer prompt. And I've divided the book into seasons. So we start Fun. winter. Yeah. So like right now, today, when we're recording this, I have snow and ice on the ground. This is the fourth <laughs> day that my son has been off school. Wow. So, uh, and I have um, seasonal de- affective disorder. So it's a form of depression that occurs during the winter months. So mm. the reason I started the book out like this is because I thought, if I can praise God and connect with him in nature in winter, the rest of the seasons are a piece of cake. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're not the only, you're not the only one. I mean, my sister lived in Alaska for a while and Alaska is really bad because the sun doesn't stay out very long. I I don't think I could do it. I Mm -hmm. have my happy light. It is literally sitting on my shelf. Um, and it does help a lot, but I mean, and, and I'll just say one extra thing, like being with people, whether it's on zoom, like I am with you, but in person is just, you know, golden mm-hmm. is another way to overcome that. And that's, that's what the church is for. That's what small groups at church are for to, we talked about before we were on, on air, we were talking about being Jesus with skin on for people mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that people are that way to us and we are that way to others. So it's super right. important. Um, so, so what would be some, maybe one from each season, can you share? Sure. So in winter, um, I talk about the grasses because, Mm. you know, the, the landscape is mostly brown and gray, but I started on my walks once I slowed down to see the variety in the grasses. And then I went back to what um, Jesus said about grass, what Isaiah said about grass. And, you know, it says that Basically, the grass is here one day and gone the next, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So the grass reminds me that this life is transient, mm-hmm. but precious. So that's some that's a way that I can connect with God and, and be humbled in who I am. Um, How was so, that a prayer prompt then? Well, to, to pray that, I would remember to be humble mm. and, and not to puff myself up, but to remember that <clears throat> if the grass reflects God's glory because it is something um, beautiful in its time, then I need to be the same way. I need to be the same way, but also to hold things kind of loosely. And that's that can be hard for me as an Enneagram one. I'm very, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just... 
I take everything very seriously. So it helps me remember that our life is just a breath. It's, you know, um, it lasts as long as the grass grows and then you cut it. So uh, yeah, it just, I pay attention to the grass more in the winter, I think, because you can see the textures more. Hmm. So if I was going to spring. Um, oh, let me just add one thing. I oh, think yeah, I think one of the gifts we can give one another is to not take oneself too seriously. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's because I have a sense of humor, but I thought if I take myself too seriously, I get disappointed. I get disappointed with God. I get disappointed with other people who I say, well, you should be doing this because after all, I'm a very serious whatever I am being serious about. But if I say, wow, this is who I am. I'm a piece of grass and I could die tomorrow and I'm fine with that, but it might be hard on my children. But I really don't want to take myself too seriously. And that's one reason you have funny people like me in your life, Sarah. And also God's word reminding you of that. I think that's in Psalm 103. You know, you're here one day and gone the next. Um, and I, I guess that's not something to laugh about for someone who's dying. But you know what I'm saying. So the next season, what, would, what was the thing that um, you want to share with us? Spring. Um. I think I'll talk about birds. Mm. So I do a bird song chapter. And, um, you know, Jesus talks a lot about the birds. Yes. And how, um, I turn, I have turned to this scripture many times um, in uh, Matthew 20, 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. And uh, in times of financial struggles mm -hmm. and how God says, um, look at the birds and how they don't worry about clothing or feeding themselves. And I will, I will give you so much more than that. And you are so much more important to me than a whole flock of sparrows. And mm -hmm. we're talking right now and I can see the birds eating the sunflower seeds off the patio that I just threw down this morning. And on the patio, I think about God tapping me and saying, you've got to trust me to provide for you. And that's what that reminds me of. And it's wonderful to live in the middle of the woods and be surrounded by birds singing in the springtime. Mm -hmm. um, and just how also how free they are with their praise. Mm -hmm. That's another aspect of birds that I meditate on of my need to connect with God by praising him every day in prayer. Is that something you have to do consciously or just comes naturally to you? Well, I think in seasons of struggle, it's harder. I think when things are going well, it's not as, I don't have to remind myself to praise God. Mm -hmm. I think in seasons of struggle, what helps me is, and I actually just talked about this with my counselor. He, he recommended just having a, a playlist just of praise songs hmm. on those times. He said, you know, in the old Testament, um, when, when the Israelites were going into battle, the worshipers led them. They were hmm. the front line because hmm. God wanted his people to be led forth with praise because the battle would be won by the Lord, not necessarily by the people. The battle was always won. And so he led with praise. And so that's why my counselor said that. He said, I know you're going through 
some hard things right now, but you can't let the devil take your praise away. Mm -hmm. It's a very effective way of fighting against the enemy's schemes. It so reminds that's what the birds me too. I love that. And um, you know, it's noisy in California and I'm close to the freeway, so we don't hear birds very often. <laughs> but some a practical approach to praise, because I'm not a natural praiser. I'm more of a Lord help person. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend Gretchen Fleming, I don't know if you know her in mm -hmm. um, yeah. the blogger sphere. She's a writer. <clears throat> and she um, had this great conviction from the Holy Spirit about being more a woman of thanksgiving and gratitude when she was in a dark time. And her practical I share this all the time, so maybe my listeners have heard it already, but her practical approach to this was not just to sit down and write a thousand things you're thankful for, like the wonderful Ann Voskamp, but she starts her quiet time every morning with listing what she was thankful for from just the day before. So I thought, wow, I'm getting old now, you know, and I can't even remember the day before, but I go through my day and then I start thanking God. Oh, thank you, Lord, that this person came over and thank you, Lord, that I figured out what to have for dinner. And thank you, Lord, that uh, Mark and I had a great discussion about the kids or that my one daughter called me. Very small things, but uh, it goes along with the scripture in Psalms where it says you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and with praise on your lips. So even if you're in a deep uh, jungle or where you hear lots of birds or you're in the jungle of New York City or San Francisco and you don't hear hear anything you know you might hear the traffic maybe you could say uh let's uh let's not do birds let's just do traffic noises but whatever you're entering the courts with praise and I just think I am now in my third journal and when Mark and I went on a, a cruise I didn't want to carry all my heavy Bible study book. So I had my phone for my Bible and my devotional, my utmost, but I was able to take a journal because I wanted to continue the Thanksgiving. And there were a lot of things to be thankful for. And there are every day, even though sometimes it's a shorter paragraph than other times. So I love that. So the bird's song reminds you to come into his presence with praise. What about summer? Summer, um, well, I talk about litter. There's a chapter on litter. And um, so this is a man-made item. Okay. Um, so it's very common knowledge that, you know, teenagers go on the country roads and they drink and then mm -hmm. they throw their beer cans out. Um, even though in Missouri, there is not a um, possession law. But in lots of most states, there is that if you're found with an empty alcohol container, you can, you know, get a misdemeanor charge. But anyway, even in Missouri, people throw all kinds of beer bottles, um, alcohol bottles on my walk. And at first, um, this enraged me because I have not known a day of my life when alcohol wasn't a wrecking ball in it from addicts in my life, not my own struggle with alcoholism. I don't, I've never been an addict, but I've suffered greatly because of the addictions of loved ones. 
And so I would see these on my walk and just, I just have to shut down. Like I can't, you know? And so then God nudged me and he said, if you saw that as a prompt to pray, what would you pray? Hmm. So then I started praying for the addicts in my life. And then I started praying for the kids, um, the teenagers drinking that sit alongside in the classes with my <clears> team. <throat> and then wow. I prayed for my kids not to struggle with addiction in their lives because they have the gene mm -hmm. and they have all this peer pressure and they, you know, it's just very natural to fall into that. And I know you love wine, you have wine parties, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking responsibly, but most people don't do that. Mm -hmm. Most people do not. Um, a really wise friend of mine <clears throat> um, who had an alcoholic marriage told me that the difference between someone with an alcohol problem and someone without one is the person without an alcohol problem goes into a party knowing how much they're going to drink, hmm. which is true. I never, ever drink without eating because I know that affects the absorption rate. And I never go anywhere thinking I'm going to drink more than one drink. I just hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. I know my limit, but people with alcohol addiction don't. They don't, they're, they don't even, they're like unaware. They're going to drink until they buzz, mm. until they numb out, until they feel good. Mm. And probably and that, becomes, that takes different mm, amounts. The yeah, longer, yeah. the more addicted you are, that can take <clears throat> 10 years for some people. Mm. You know, but ask me how I know. Mm. Right. Um, so that was a real challenge for me, but it was very clear from the Lord that he wanted, he wanted to turn my rage, my very valid rage for all the suffering I've gone through from the collateral damage that has been done to me. He wanted to turn that into a reason to pray hmm. and show compassion. I, uh, I think people, could from hearing you say that they may not have the same um, situation where they were hurt by addicted people, but they we all have something that we have been hurt by, and for us to be able to turn something so sad and so that fills us with grief, but also anger, as you've mentioned. And, uh, you know, God is a God of transformation and he, he brings beauty from ashes. I mean, there's scripture right there. And even though, uh, to see a bunch of litter on a summer country road is not pretty for you to change that into a time of positivity of praying for those who are hurting or are hurting others, um, is a lesson that we can all learn. There might be someone listening right now and goes, oh yeah, I've been so down and angry actually at someone or even at God. And I'm going to spend this moment right now uh, changing that into a time of praying for myself as well as for someone else. And, and if that's you today, listener, I would love for you to 
uh, send me or Sarah a private message. You don't have to tell us what it's about, but just so that we can pray along with you, you can reach me at sue at welcomeheart.com. And what about you, Sarah? How would you like them to contact you? Go to, if you go to sarahgeringer.com, and I know you'll have the link in the yeah. show notes, right. go to the contact tab and you can send me a message. I get prayer requests weekly from my people and, and it is a huge part of my ministry. It's my honor. Hmm. It's my honor to pray for people and all anything anyone ever sends me is kept 100% private. Okay, we're moving into fall, which is my favorite season, just because I'm a romantic. I like the idea of snow moving into cold weather. And I have red hair. So and Anna Green Gables and all that. I like the idea of living on the East Coast, but I hope I am never led there because it's too cold. But yeah. what did what did you what did you write about for fall? Well, I bet it's beautiful uh, there in fall. It mm. is gorgeous. Mm. It is. Um, and fall is my favorite season too. And I'm an October baby, so mm. feels like it's part of me every year. You know. Um, so one of one of the my favorite chapters in the book is called the Reds because mm. I feel like I'm always on the hunt for the red leaves. I don't know why. I mean, I live, my, my woods are mostly hard maple. So that's like yellow, beautiful, mm -hmm. yellow, orange, but I am on the hunt for the red leaves. And, and I, when I find them, it's just like a spark of joy, I think. And, and of course it just always reminds me of, you know, Jesus sacrifice for us mm -hmm. that he, he literally bled and died for us. And we, uh, Hebrews tells us that we can now approach the throne of grace boldly. We don't have to have a mediator to approach the God who created the universe. And it's because of what Jesus did. us. Mm. So when I think, when I see the reds, that's what it reminds me of it is something we need to be constantly reminded of that we can enjoy the hope and peace um, that we have as Christians because Jesus paid for it with his blood. And, and he did it with, without ever having done anything wrong, um, without ever having to do any, he didn't deserve any of the punishment that he received. He took all of our punishment on himself and so that <clears throat> reminds me, it, it humbles me to remember that I didn't earn my salvation and all of my good works, as Paul said, are just rubbish um, in comparison to what, what God has done for me. So it's something I need to be reminded of a lot, honestly. We get caught up in... In our day-to-day -day living, we get caught up thinking that we're pretty decent people, right? Like we're we're pretty good. We're we're doing pretty good in terms of, you know, we give and we pray and we, you know, do good deeds and show kindness. But I'm like, I need to be reminded constantly that Jesus died so I can live. It's not anything I do. And I think um you know, people of the world who are not uh, religious, they look at Christmas as the main holiday for Christians. But I believe 
it's Easter, which kind of struck me sadly years ago when I was a child because I loved Christmas. But really the true meaning of Christianity is not uh, about December. It's about oh, April or whenever it is where we uh, celebrate, really. We celebrate the passion. We celebrate the fact that God was willing to send his son and Jesus uh, to take such humiliation, not just the physical, which is bad enough. I mean, I get upset with a hangnail, but um, but the humiliation and that he took it for us and then he rose again. That's That's Christianity right there. So looking for the reds, and we do have red maples around here. Uh, in California. And I think, gosh, we just get them at odd times of the year because you just never know when we're going to finally get our fall leaves. But they are beautiful. And now I will look at them in a different way as a prayer prompt for my own humility, humbling myself before God. Because, you know, uh, Scripture says, as you know, that God moves closer to the humble person. And I want to be close to Him. I don't want to be apart. And yet I'm so proud and that's when he goes, hey, why don't you go look at a red leaf and remember what right. I did what I did for you. Sarah, is there anything else about the book that we've missed? And are you, would you be willing to give one away as a giveaway? Oh, yeah. If that's what, you, yeah. If you We'd love think that. that would bless you. So oh, that would I, be I think it would be great. So anything else about the book before we close? Well, I want to just say, if if you read this book and... You're like, I'm a city person, right? <laughs> yeah. I just want it to be a springboard for your prayer prompts wherever you live. Maybe it's a red light, oh, not good. a red leaf where you are, Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe it's a Starbucks. Maybe that's something that reminds you to pray for some reason. So get creative. I think we're all creative people in some regard. Mm -hmm. So so just use these as ideas for your own um, for your own prayers. And the last thing I'll say is I have a limited number of art prints for anyone who leaves an Amazon review of my book and then fills out the form that's on the front page of my site. If you want this from me, I'll snail mail it to you for free. Wonderful. But I just have to have proof, um, of your, of your Amazon review. That's so terrific. And uh, you say you are passionate about all things creative. So I know you're a baker because you're on my Facebook mm -hmm. hospitality group and we love to share yes. recipes, um, but you're also an artist. Are you a watercolorist or does it matter to you? Do you paint with watercolor or oil? We just lost you for a minute there. Oh, okay. Um, actually, um, in terms of art, I prefer acrylic for oh. painting because I guess it's just the one that I mastered. And then I like, um, colored pencil, pen and ink. Mm. So, and markers. So less messy, I guess. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. When I get the chance to do that, those are the ones that I pick. Um, yeah. And I think probably besides baking, um, gardening is probably my number one hobby. So mm -hmm. Even though we're recording this in early February, I'm getting ready to start my seeds, hmm. and uh, and I'm excited about that. So and you, st you start them indoors, I imagine. You start Can you them say in that again. I said you start them indoors. 
the seeds. Oh yeah. Well, you're a patient person. Both my sisters are gardeners and I'm having them come out in March and help me with my uh, gardens because they oh. like to garden. And I said, <laughs> okay, I'll feed you, but you have to help me with the gardening. <laughs> That's and great. Go, it, it'll be fun. My husband will be away hiking. And I said, I'm going to have my sisters come out and that'll be a blast. And one's from Arkansas and the other outside Chicago. Uh, Sarah, this has been a delight. Thank you so much. One last question: If the internet um, stays stable, you say on the on your website that you, the Lord spoke to you through James Taylor. Tell me about that because I love James Taylor. Oh yeah, I love this story. I was 16 years old. Yeah, we went to a concert in a Riverport Amphitheater in St. Louis, so it's outdoor concert, right? And uh, that was a really hard year for me. Um, in my teen years, I was um, suicidally depressed, and um, and uh, I was listening to I, I listened to James Taylor on a tape, a cassette tape, <laughs> yeah, like every single night. Okay, so that that was a lifeline for me. So then I get to St. Louis, and we're out, and it's a full moon. I can still see this whole thing in my mind. And he's singing Fire and Rain, which is a song about death, a death of a loved one. And clear as a bell, Holy Spirit says to me, you will be a writer. Wow. I'm looking at the moon, hearing James Taylor sing Fire and Rain in person, which is an awesome experience. And the Holy Spirit said, you will be a writer. And I think the reason he did that is because James Taylor is a songwriter and his songs have just touched so many people. They're just wonderful. 40 years after he's, I mean, he's, they still right. are ministering to people. And I think the Holy spirit was saying, you're going to do this too, just mm. in a whole different format. Mm. And as you're aware, as a content producer yourself, we creatives, we need a lot of encouragement because mm -hmm. it is lonely. It's challenging. It's difficult. Um, it can feel discouraging at times. And I feel like God planted that seed in me. And then he gave me all this encouragement from other people to get me to the place where I was going to be a writer someday. So mm. yeah, well, it I, was God's idea. All along. I, I loved hearing that, be, uh, reading that about you because I... Uh, I think probably had a huge crush on him when I first started oh, listening yeah. to his songs. <laughs> and Mark and I got to hear him in person when we were first married at a, at the fairgrounds nearby. And now I can't afford it. I mean, his tickets are so high. But when I was younger, in my teens, I started praying for his salvation, him and the Smothers Brothers, because I love them so much. And I thought, well, God loves them too. And I'm not sure they know Jesus yet. And so I would ask you to pray alongside me, Sarah, for his salvation, just in case, just in case, love it, just in case he doesn't know Jesus. I'm not the judge of anybody, but, um, you know, he's so creative and you know, that all creativity, we were made in the image of God. And so love you, JT and you yes. too, Sarah <laughs> SG. And thanks for joining us and leave a comment. If you'd like to be entered to the giveaway of the book and also the explanation about how to get a free print. Thanks so much, Sarah. We love you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. 
See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.